when the government take resources, when they go into debt, when they spend, where do those resources come from? They don't come from manna from heaven. They come from the real economy, real resources. And you can get real resources through taxation, borrowing, and through inflation, which is a hidden tax. It's like a hidden sales tax. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on the Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the Retirement Fitness Plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on Processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedell, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what financial shape you're in now. We have the distinct privilege of sitting down with a true titan in the world of finance and media. Steve Forbes is not only a renowned business leader, but also the chairman and editor-in-chief of Forbes Media, a global publishing powerhouse. He's here with us today to discuss his latest book, Inflation, but also to provide unparalleled insights into the current economic landscape. I'd like to welcome the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell and Steve Forbes. Hey, well, thank you for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it, Steve. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. I got to tell you, I loved your book, Inflation. Uh, what is it? Why is it bad? And uh, how do we fix it? I read it a couple of times. I think this should be required reading for everyone in DC. I know your time is very valuable. So just kind of jumping right into it. Everyone knows what inflation is. They Everyone feels it, you know, at the grocery store, at the gas pumps, mortgages. They just hit a, uh, a high of 8% for 30 years. Yeah, I think credit card rates are, are now pushing, you know, 25%. So what exactly is inflation? Well, the thing to keep in mind, and there's a lot of confusion about it, is there are two kinds of inflation, what you might call non-monetary inflation, which is price increases that come out when there's a disruption of production either from a natural disaster, a drought, a war, or as we saw in recent times, the COVID lockdowns, which disrupted supply chains and sent prices up. And then you have the uh, monetary kind, the traditional kind, which is lowering the value of the currency, the dollar, usually by creating too many of them. And uh, the two get to mesh together. Now, the Federal Reserve can't do anything about clogs at ports or something like that. But it can do something about uh, not debasing the value of the dollar. What's amazing in all of this uh, discussion is that there's no reference to the value of the dollar, the integrity of the dollar. And so the Fed uh, has this strange idea, which has been around for a long time, that uh, the way you conquer inflation is by depressing the economy. They don't realize the rising prices are a symptom 
of debasing the currency, lowering the value of the dollar, not the cause. So, uh, yeah, they can depress the economy as they're doing now, bring uh, prices down. But what that means is, is that when uh, they decide, well, the inflation's away or it's come down, let's uh, stimulate the economy again. They're back in the same old rut. It was just looking at the news. The feds continue to say that they've got inflation under control. I just heard the Atlanta Fed today. I don't know if you saw this, but they actually said that it's under control and they believe that inflation is going to be back down to 2% next year and we're not in danger of any kind of a recession and interest rates will will fall. So there's so many mixed messages that we continue to hear from Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve. But number one, I, I guess there's so many questions in there. So the first one is, why did they even pick 2%? Do you think that that's really even possible? I can't figure <laughs> well, out the 100 year average three and a quarter. Yeah, well, what they have done is they picked that 2% out of the air. When the gold standard was abandoned in the 1970s, uh, central bankers were wondering what metric do we use? So in the 1980s, the Bank of New Zealand, the New Zealand Central Bank said, hey, why not 2%? Why two? Well, zero is too close to deflation. So let's have a little cushion in there, 2%. And so uh, that's how it came about. More and more central banks adopted it. So now it's a holy writ. And uh, that's how they came up with it. But then that, of course, gets to how do you measure inflation? We now know there are about at least a dozen ways of measuring this thing. So uh, it's kind of all nebulous. And again, you can have prices rise in a normal market. If people suddenly decide apples are the way to cure all diseases, you'd find apple prices going way up. You uh, find in high tech terrible deflation as the price of memory goes down and down and down. You know, a supercomputer would have cost you $30 million a few years ago. Today, over $1,000 for your handheld has the same capability of an old supercomputer. Right. So is that deflation and bad? No, it's the normal market. Markets tell you what people how people value things. So when they try to manipulate, when they allow even 2% inflation, inflation is like a virus. It corrupts the information. Well, you know what? You're you're absolutely right. And when you laid it out in your book, I mean, you went all the way back to, you know, empire after empire, you know, going back to uh, 7000 BC, the Roman Empire, Genghis Khan, you know, the first paper money with uh, the Chinese Empire and relating it to today. And the reason I bring that up, because the amount of deficit spending that we currently have and the devaluing and debasing of the U.S. dollar, I'm looking at the debt clock right now. A week ago, we were at 33 trillion five hundred and twenty eight billion okay so right now it's thirty three trillion six hundred and almost fifty six trillion dollars so it's when we're looking at this at this rate I mean every eight weeks we're going to be at another trillion dollars so between now and next year we're going to be if my math is right just doing it in my head real quick we're going to add another six and a half seven trillion dollars before the election. I mean, I don't see how they can say that we're going to get down to 2%. Inflation is here until we get well, they, control. I just don't see it. So what well, would you think? They, they can get it down. But uh, the fact of the matter is that debt is rising. You remember a year ago, Joe Biden was, was, was boasting that he was the deficit fighter. So, uh, well, guess what happened? The deficit doubled this year. So you don't hear much talk about the great deficit slayer. Uh, dragons would have loved Joe Biden. Uh, they, he never would have been able to slay anything. But the fact of the matter is that two things on that. One is when the government take 
resources when they go into debt, when they spend, that's the key thing is the spending, which you hit on, is the where do those resources come from? They don't come from manna from heaven. They come from uh, the real economy, people, real resources. And you can get real resources through taxation, through borrowing, and through inflation, which is a hidden tax. It's like a hidden sales tax. Now, like in Europe, they have the VAT, the value-added tax. You don't see it in the price, but it's embedded in. Well, inflation's embedded in the prices you pay. So, uh, yeah, he, they, we, we can borrow more, but make no mistake, it hurts the economy. It, it slows growth. It slows opportunity, which hurts uh, people with the least the most. And then the other thing to keep in mind, which gets no mention at all, is that, yes, the U.S. can continue to borrow at a higher price. But what that does is suck money from the rest of the world. So we're taking resources from ourselves and from the rest of the world for wasteful projects like green projects that end up doing more harm to the economy than good. Fact of the matter is. And we hurt poorer countries. And one of the crazy things is you think they would have learned after what happened uh, since 2008 when they suppressed the price of money. Remember, that's like rent control. Instead right. of renting an apartment, you rent money. And in this case, uh, they suppress uh, the price of the renting of money. And, and guess what happened? It hurt small businesses because it distorted the market. The Fed was sucking up all the short-term money. So you had the spectacle of Apple going and becoming one of the most indebted companies in the world, almost $100 billion the last I looked. Now, why would a money machine like that borrow like that? Because the money was free. And any interest was deductible. So they could uh, buy in stock, pay dividends. But meanwhile, smaller businesses get hurt. So the whole thing you thought that, and governments, governments went tremendously in debt since 2008 because it was like uh, money was free. You know, be like you, uh, uh, us adding, say, $10,000 to a credit card, and the monthly payment went down because they suppressed interest rates. What's not to like about that? Well, now we're finding out there's a lot not to like about that. The chickens are coming home to roost, as they say, right? I mean, it, you can't have free money for any extended period of time and, and not expect to have to pay the piper. I mean, that's really the, the biggest issue. And it is costing us. And, you know, traditionally, America's had three, three and a half percent average growth rates, times of war, depressions, whatever. The average has been the best of any country in history. Now it's under two percent. And since 2008, after that uh, terrible recession, normally you'd get a big recovery. Instead, we had anemic growth, less than two percent. So we're European style growth rates, which uh, bodes uh, very ill for the future and also hurts our national security because then we don't have resources to uh, defend ourselves and to uh, deal with the bad guys in the world. Well, you know what? That's a great segue into the geopolitical issues that we're facing. And I saw your uh, uh, your video on, on Twitter or X yesterday as well. So, I mean, when we look at all the geopolitical issues that we're facing, we, we've got one proxy war right now with Ukraine against you know, Russia and Iran and, and China with Israel right now against Hamas and, and Iran. And and now there's a possibility with uh, uh, China and, and Taiwan. So, I mean, how is that affecting inflation, the economy and, you know, from a defense standpoint? Because these are really big issues that a lot of people just seem to ignore or they don't understand. Yes. Well, well we should have learned from the 1970s what happens when you have a weak economy where people see no real future, 
Our military was run down. Amazingly, the Soviet Union was seen as the rising power. Communists were getting power in Central America, moving up right into uh, Mexico. Uh, we saw what happened in Asia. And uh, Ronald Reagan reversed that. And we need that reversal again, because it's not just our, us being hurt. It's uh, everyone else being hurt as well. And you mentioned uh, Ukraine. Vladimir Putin wants to put together the old Soviet Union. He wants to run the U.S. out of Europe. And even though he suffered huge setbacks in Ukraine, he's of the opinion, and this is the very dangerous attitude, that when they look at our inflation and look how we've mismanaged the economy, they are concluding America is a declining power and that therefore, if they just wait us out, they're going to win, that we don't have the fortitude that we had when we won the cold 40-year Cold War. So he thinks he's ultimately going to win in Ukraine. That's why the Ayatollahs are on the march. Make no mistake, Hamas would not have done what they did if they hadn't have been trained and uh, given the green light by uh, Tehran. And China, we know what their ambitions are already. They're trying to turn the critical waterway of the South China Sea into a Chinese lake uh, by building those uh, militarized islands. And we let them get away with it. So they think they keep pushing and uh, so it's going to become a more, more troubled world. And that's why we've got to get our act here at home to show the world, no, we had a detour, but uh, we're back on track again. All right. So, Steve, how would you fix what's going on right now? You come up with a very good solution in, in your book. But, I mean, what would you do to fix what we're going through right now? Well, on the home front, first, uh, take that admonition they used to teach uh, medical students, uh, don't harm the patient and uh, stop harming the economy. I mean, we should uh, not have regulations that banning gas stoves or uh, turning dishwashers into things that take 10 hours to do what could used to be done in an hour, cease that stuff and uh, do what Reagan did, cut tax rates, stabilize the value of the dollar, then uh, rebuild our tattered military, unleash our great uh, technological prowess, there's some great stuff going out. There's a material now, carbon material, called graphene. It was discovered almost 20 years ago. It's uh, 200 times the strength of steel. They're able to conduct pass-through electricity at several thousand times better than copper and other fantastic things. The trouble was it was very expensive to uh, produce. Now they're making breakthroughs to make it uh, affordable. And uh, so you look at something like that, which can vastly extend the strength of highways and have medical applications, make buildings stronger and stuff like that. So when you look at the healthcare side, the time is going to come if we allow the research to go forward, not have the government kill it because of a socialized system where you're going to be able to replace hearts and uh, livers and kidneys like you do a tire on a car. So these fantastic breakthroughs are in the future if we just get things right. Well, you know, that that's I, I've been saying this for a long, long time. You know, everyone says we have a revenue problem. It went from that to a spending problem. I've been saying, you know, this isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. I mean, you know, we have a leadership problem is what we have. All right. So from, you know, an investment standpoint for investors, I mean, where should investors go? Is there a safe haven? I mean, personally, I like commodities right now. Um, I love oil. I like gold. You know, you mentioned in your book, you know, we were looking at orange juice, OJ, you know, the beginning of the year, I think it was around, you know, $28. Yesterday, it closed just under 70. So it's outpacing the S&P. But what are some safe havens that you see right now? Well, if you're going to go on things uh, like commodities, you really have to do your homework. 
that's not like buying an index fund and uh, just uh, tossing it on the shelf, so to speak. Right. Uh, you have to be really in on it and all the ins and outs of supply and demand. But uh, you should always have a little bit of gold, not as an investment, but as an insurance policy. Uh, like you have a homeowner's insurance for, uh, the, in this case, the depredations, the destructive uh, forces of the government. So you should have uh, some of that. I, I prefer in terms of gold mining, but uh, probably just have the stuff itself, the, the coins themselves, the bars themselves. And uh, in terms of uh, commodities, there are some funds there. But again, you got to do your homework because uh, that is not just uh, inflation, but supply and demand. And then, too, as everyone has pointed out, look at the dividend stocks. As you know, S&P 500, as uh, uh, the aristocrats of uh, companies that have increased dividends for 25 years or more. Now, that doesn't mean all of them. I think their last I looked, there were 63 companies that had that record, but probably at least 10 are not going to do it this year. So you have to have a, a diversified portfolio. But the nice thing about dividends is, one, you're getting cash. And then, two... A company can respond to a, a different environment and uh, increase payouts in the future, or at least put themselves in a position where they can increase payouts in the future, which is unlike a bond. So uh, bonds, uh, as you know, uh, if you bought some of those cheapy zero coupon bonds, you're, uh, you're way underwater today. So again, unless you're very nimble, I would uh, stick to uh, two years or under if, uh, for, to park your cash and a little bit of gold and things like that. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, try to uh, put some armor up. And if you find a special situation, know that nine out of 10 aren't going to work. But if one does work, you're set in a, in a very good path. That requires uh, homework as well. <laughs> well, that is great. Well, Steve, I really appreciate you joining the podcast. You know, I, I know we're right up against it. You've got uh, some other commitments. So thank you so much for joining us and Hopefully, uh, you'll join us again. So thank you. Well, look forward to being uh, with you and uh, keep up the good fight for sanity, which uh, for some strange reason is in short supply today. That's where the real shortage is. Sanity. Common yes, sense. Common sense. Yes, I agree. I agree. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, to say thank you to Steve Forbes for all the time that he provided today and all the amazing insights that he provided to our listening audience. If you have additional questions or if you'd like to talk to Ed, please reach out to us at 614-526-4118, or you can send us an email at info at egsifinancial.com, or you can schedule right on our website at egsi financial.com and you can go and slate some time to speak with Ed. Thank you. Hey, when was the last time you tested your fitness level? Not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up and Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the Retirement Trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for, a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five 
simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 102-0619. Thank you.